everybody. Welcome back. This is an all new edition of Bitch Breathe and I am your host, Ricardia. So I'm back from New York with so much inspiration, so many ideas, a little bit of homesickness because I had to leave, but definitely worth the trip. And when I came back, I had so much input of what I wanted to talk about with you in the next coming episodes. But today, I wanted to talk to you about the truth about self-help. So why did I pick this particular topic? I guess because it's everywhere, for one. And personally, I've been reading self-help or personal growth books since the 90s. I must have read hundreds and hundreds of these books. And it still is my favorite nonfiction genre. I really feel like it has changed me and I've become better, hopefully, (laughs) let's ask the people around me, because of these books, because these authors and thought leaders really shared information, insights and wisdom that I wouldn't have been able to study or come by in any other way. So some of you know I've joined the group of personal growth authors. I wrote a book about breakups and about the transformational power that breakups, romantic breakups that is, have. So I'm totally into the genre and getting help in this way. And by the way, just as a side note, you can pre-order the book under the email in the show notes if you like. I'm hoping you're not going through a breakup, but if you are, I do believe it's a really comprehensive and funny guide to how to do that. Today, I'm going to take a little bit more of a critical look at all this, what I'm calling selfing out there. And I'm not actually talking about selfies for once. (laughs) I feel like that could fill a whole different episode. But I want to talk about this wave of self-ism that we've come into. In the last couple of years, there's been this trend, I want to say, of doing it alone. And this is especially for women. At first, I found this super helpful. No, I still do. Because as a woman who felt like she needed to have a partner for the longest time to be strong, I thought this whole independent wave, if you will, was really, really helpful to not look toward the outside for humor, for support, for an emotional home. So I'm not generally critical of doing things alone, but I'm a little critical about the fact that now it seems we're supposed to do everything alone. And one of the results of this particular mantra, as it's now become, is this myth, I find, that once you do all your homework, you read the books, you listen to the podcasts, you get the coaching, you do all these things, that life will somehow mystically get easier. But the truth is, you can read all the books, the podcasts, you can go to therapy possibly as many years as you like. But if you come out of all of that thinking, you have to manage life, the issues, your past, your future, your present alone, then I feel like these podcasts and therapists or your interpretation of the work with them hasn't done right by you. Because the truth is we can't do all the homework all by ourselves throughout our entire lives. And a part of me feels a little tired at the notion that I'm supposed to do everything by myself now. It's become a thing where if I don't do that, I have not mastered my life. And I'll get into that particular aspect a little bit more later. Another result that I've found comes out of this whole 
do-it-yourself revolution and this whole feminist wave even, if you will, if you'll allow me, is this idea of taking responsibility. I love the idea of taking responsibility and understanding where I have been the cause of my own suffering. And turns out probably a high percentage of our suffering is indeed part of what we're doing or what we haven't understood. But if it gets to a point where now that I'm responsible for everything, I'm suddenly starting to lack a little self-empathy in the process, then again, we've slightly gone off the the right path, I feel like. Because what happened to me, and maybe this isn't at all true for you, but I know that it happened to me and it happened to my yoga students and people in the spiritual scene I was hanging out with, is that they started to become very sort of self-flagellating, is that the word? Like self-penalizing for what had happened to them. So one thing is to take responsibility. Yes, please. Another is guilt. No, thank you. But the third one is this idea that now that I know these things have happened to me and that maybe I've partially contributed to those, I am now fully responsible for everything that happens to me. And I find this a little bit unfair because it makes me self-victimize as well as show a lack of self-empathy. But the truth is, if you're the seven-year-old and let's say you have very narcissistic parents or something went wrong in the child and parent relationship, you can't know all of the results that that will yield. You don't know that some of the things you're doing as an adult come from that time or even a time later in your life. And you're going to need other people to shed light on that. And you're going to have to forgive yourself for not knowing. Because the truth is, we can't know learn and change everything by ourselves. So when we take responsibility, that's an excellent first step. But if it is accompanied by self-blame and a lack of self-empathy, you got to count me out. That can't be the right idea of responsibility. Another drawback of all of this self-help revolution is the jargon surrounding it. And I've talked about this in previous episodes before where People, I've been in therapy for a few years. I didn't find it super helpful, but other people do. And I noticed I would start to use jargon to sort of describe my situation very eloquently. And I looked like I totally understood what was going on with me because the jargon signaled that I did. I had picked up some phrases and suddenly even I was starting to believe I had figured it all out. But the truth is this jargon... This whole self-help jargon, which it's so easy to slip into, so I'm not blaming anyone, not even myself, because I know I've done it too, but it covers up stuff. And to have like this heap of crap, pour sugar on it and call it cake just doesn't work, or pour an eloquent wording around it and call it the work is done, that can't be right. So to just sort of beware of the kind of jargon you're using to describe what's going on in your whole self-help journey and maybe the jargon other people are using who are working with you or whom you're in conversation with. One concept I've really, really gotten into over the last probably 10 years and which has been omnipresent is the idea of mindset. And I've been very successful, again, ask my family if that's true, but I feel like I've been very successful around this idea of reframing some of the ways I think about my life, my work, my partnerships. 
And so I really have delved into this mindset situation. But what I've begun to notice is that this whole mindset thing has turned into a bit of a mantra. And again, we have to beware when something becomes ubiquitous and everyone's talking about the same thing. What can happen with this kind of mantra, as I'm calling it, is it can start to become hollow. Suddenly, all problems can be solved if you just get your fucking mind into the game. But to change your mindset and create this whole new mantra around it, and then hoping to see God, if you will, it doesn't quite work that way. It's not an equation. Me plus new mindset equals happiness and new life. I don't actually believe that. I think everything starts with mindset, yes. I think you can have incredible success also in business with an, uh, another mindset or a new way of looking at things. But what I don't like is, again, this lack of empathy where people sometimes listen to other people's problems and then go ahead and say, oh, you have a mindset issue. It's like, dude, this person is seriously dramatized or they've gone through a terrible time in their lives right now. You can't just hit them with the mindset mantra and be like, done. I poured some mindset genie dust over you. You are now cured. That's not how that works. And to tell yourself and to tell others that all they have to do is fix their mindset is an incomplete job and a disservice to that person. So I'm not dissing changing your mindset. I'm looking for a little more forgiveness towards ourselves and a wider spectrum of how to look at a problem when we talk about mindset and knowing that it is helpful but it's not the only tool in the self-help toolbox. What goes hand in hand with the mindset is this notion that if we just learn enough new stuff, which is great, then that will fix everything. But as I get older, what I'm really realizing, and this is such a profound truth to me, which is why I want to share it, is that unlearning the old is key. Learning new stuff is great. But if I don't unlearn all the bullshit I've been served up and I have gulped up over the last one, two, three, four more decades, then mindset or learning new stuff just becomes another layer, like a sediment on top of what's underneath. Now, I'm totally not for going back and talking about your parents, your therapist over and over and over. For some people that works, that was not so helpful for me. I thought if I have to talk about my parents one more time, I am going to yell or strangle this therapist I'm talking to because I'm so bored and I'm so able to talk about my parents in a way that makes you feel, oh, I totally got this figured out. So I'm not hugely into diving backward into old childhood over and over, but I'm not everybody. And depending on the kind of trauma you've had, that is probably exactly what you need to do. So it's very individualistic, and I'm obviously not a therapist and qualified to tell you what to do. I'm only speaking about my own experience. So just to sort of recap this one, unlearning the old is key, and then learning the new stuff will be really, really great and effective, at least in my experience. I want to say something that I hope is encouraging about all of this, and that is that change is exhaustingly slow. So when we're on that self-help journey, or self-discovery, if we want to call it that, that's already a really brave step. 
one that will challenge you every minute of every day for a very long time. And I saw this graph not too long ago. You've probably heard about this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And there's this wonderful guy on YouTube. I've forgotten now who it was. I'll have to put him in the show notes. But he did a little tutorial and wonderfully imaged the journey that Atomic Habits, the book, takes you on. And it shows in this graph that there's this very long, very flat curve at the beginning of changing your habits that James Clear calls the valley of disappointment, which I thought was brilliant. Like, let's say you want to lose weight, you want to go to the gym, and you're all pumped, literally, to go there. And the first couple days go really well. The next couple weeks already you might be struggling. By the time the second, third, fourth month rolls around, this new habit is really challenging you. And you might abort mission altogether. That is the valley of disappointment. So when we're on that self-help journey, go ahead and pick up the book because I think it's really great. But also know that change is very, very slow. So knowing that when you go on this self-help journey then knowing yourself is going to take a really long time. Speaking of the aspect of self, that is precisely one of the key takeaways I'd love you to have for this particular episode. And that is that you can't do this alone. And you don't have to do this alone. And I know there's this whole wave, I've mentioned it before, of buying your own flowers, taking care of business, totally into it. But whether it's coaching or flowers or a foot massage, it's so much better when there's someone else there to do it for you or with you, isn't it? And to sort of not be at the receiving end of this myth that you have to do all these things by yourself. It is nice to get a foot rub from someone else. Please, I learned a little bit about reflexology enough so I could do it for myself. But if you asked me, in all honesty, do I prefer my partner to do the foot rub for me or me, I'm not going to stand here and say, I'm an independent woman. I don't need a partner to do this for me. No, it's true. I don't. But it's nice. And it's okay to admit that sometimes it's nice when someone else is there who helps you on your journey, and who has a perspective outside of you. So it's not just nice, it's essential that you have people who do nice things for you sometimes, who walk you through the self-help journey, and who can be a partner of whatever kind, friend, romantic, family, along the way. So knowing that it's okay to say, I'd prefer to do this with someone else. I prefer not to do this by myself. And if you can't afford it, then, like I said, rope in your friends. If you are in touch with safe ex-partners, safe meaning you're not going to jump back into the sack with them or they're toxic or something, former partners can be an excellent way to go on your self-help journey. Again, there is a risk there, so don't call them too much. (laughs) Should I be doing an episode on don't call your ex-partner because I am not a good example for that one? But there are safe former partners that I have that I do talk to and where I do ask, hey, where are my blind spots or what is it I'm not seeing here? I'm really confused. Do you remember that I did something like this in the past? And what do you think? I've had great experiences with that. In fact, I have an ex-partner who I'm very close to. And we do this for each other all the time. We're like major cheerleaders for each other. And I've had to say he's been able to see things that even friends or family could not. So if you've got those safe ex-partners, 
I'm saying this with a lot of caution. (laughs) Maybe give them a call. Lastly, I'm hoping this didn't come across as you having to be dependent on other people. That's totally not where I'm going with this. Be independent. Be strong. Be all of that good stuff. But if you asked me, who are some of the strongest and most successful people that I know, then I will tell you right away. It's those who knew when they had reached their limit emotionally or financially or with their family, whatever it was, and who called the right person to take over from that point. That is true independence and competence and strength to me, that you know you've reached your limit, you've come to the end of your tether, and you're brave and humble enough to call that one or two people who can help you out of here. And that's the bottom line for the self-help journey. We can call it self-help, and it's great when you're brave enough to set out on this little excursion of yours, but bring travel companions with you. It's so much more fun that way. All right, I hope that you're in a good place on your self-help journey, that you will be able to walk away from this episode with one or two aspects that might be new to you. Leave me comments, review, and leave some stars on those platforms wherever you get your podcasts. They're a little hard to find sometimes on Spotify and Apple, but if you keep scrolling, you'll find them, and I'd love to read what you thought. Until then, take care of yourself and sending love.